So I invite us to dedicate our time together this morning to all those who are suffering. And especially recognize the Dakota and Anishinaabe peoples whose descendants are still here and whose lands we occupy. So for those of us who are non-Indigenous, I invite you to consider ways that you can support Indigenous communities here. So just a very limited list of organizations that you might consider looking into. Honor the Earth, the Native American Community Clinic, Dream of Wild Health, and the Minnesota Indian Women's Resource Center. So there's all different ways that you can offer support. For example, yesterday I went to the Honor the Earth website about some of the things that they're doing. I signed a few petitions and I bought some wild rice. <laughs> so uh, support doesn't always look like going to protest, but you can see that what opens up for you. I also would like us to offer, I put my hand on my heart, but I, I just hit the microphone, so I'll just do this. I'd like to offer deep gratitude to our Indian Chinese and Japanese spiritual ancestors for all that they have given us and for the chance to practice here today. And let us stand with the Black community who have suffered in the loss of the Rondo neighborhood in which we are situated. Remember that we are all connected. We work together for the liberation. So speaking of liberation of all beings, I'd like to let you know, if you didn't notice it in the Sangha News, that today, after the service at 11, we're having a council practice, a circle discussion on uh, dismantling white supremacy. So that's one way to liberate all beings. Um, and this council is primarily for white body practitioners, but it's open to everyone. And one of the things we'll be doing in this council is um, uh, some of us who were in a class that happened um, in the fall called Repatterning Whiteness uh, will share what we learned and also talk about what we're planning next. And But it's not just you listening to us. Everyone will have a chance to listen and speak from the heart on how racism lands in your body and what we can do as a community uh, to end the harm by racism. So that's one, one way that as a community we can work for liberation on a practical level. As, as I think all of us know or are coming to know, white supremacy is an example of one of the big difficulties that we face in our society. And I would like to talk today about practicing with difficulties. So we can practice with that difficulty or any of the many difficulties that people might be experiencing. And uh, to talk about this, what I'm going to share is, um, uh, I'm gonna share rain practice, which is from the Vipassana tradition, um, and which is a way of working in meditation with difficulties or difficult emotions. 
Um, and I'll also talk a little bit about the three Dharma seals, which is a way that we can ground ourselves um, in our practice. So I'd like to start with a little story. Um, this is from one of my favorite Dogen fascicles. So Zen Master Dogen is the 13th century uh, Zen monk who founded Soto Zen Buddhism, the type of Buddhism we practice. Uh, he recounts this story in his fascicle, Only a Buddha and a Buddha. Here's the story, it's short. Long ago, a monk asked a master, when hundreds, thousands, or myriad of objects come all at once, what should be done? That's the, that's the first line of the story. So I just want to say something about that. When I hear hundreds, thousands, or myriads of objects come all at once, the image that comes in my mind is of a hurricane. I've, I've mentioned this before in a Dharma talk a few years ago when there was an actual hurricane that had just happened. And actually, there is an actual hurricane that just happened. It happened in, uh, it was mo it was really hard hit in Malawi and Mozambique. Um, they call it a cyclone in that part of the world. Um, and I lived in Malawi for two years, so it was especially jarring for me to see the images of, of people, you know, like who were flooded out. And I guess the hurricane lasted, the cyclone lasted for, I, I want to say like five weeks. It was a long time. It was the longest ever, like that uh, it just, how, how did it keep going that long? I don't know. But anyway, so this is the thing, like a hurricane is like high winds and rain, you know, just coming at you, coming at you. It's like you can't escape. And so that's the image when I hear hundreds, thousands, myriads of objects coming all at once. It's like this. And, you know, that the hurricane is an image, but sometimes in our life, um, it seems like that. So sometimes there's like many difficulties that pile up. Some of them big, some of them little, but many that pile up. Uh, so that can be like when in, we, we were doing the um, compassion meditation, it's like, wow, there's a lot of people who are sick right now. There's people who have died. There's people experiencing difficulties. There's people experiencing joys too. So that's, you know, looking at the whole picture is good, but um, usually it's a little bit easier to deal with joys coming at you. <laughs> when the difficulties are, it's hard. So that might be sickness and death of loved ones and relatives, our own health, job troubles, relationship troubles, financial troubles, spiritual troubles. So lots of things could happen. Might be lots of little things. It might be one big thing. And even it might be sometimes uh, we get a glimpse of the truth. Something really big opens up, somewhat positive. You know, maybe we really see the boundless nature of things see things being born each moment, everything seems to come all at once in that way, the sort of profound interconnection. But that then, then when we like step back a moment, and we're like in our own individual self, so-called individual self, then it can be scary. Like, oh, this is scary. This feels like the void. I don't want to go there. So that can also be uh, hundreds, thousands of myriad things coming all at once. So the question the monk asked is, okay, then what do I do? What should be done when this happens? 
So we'll say, I'll say again the first line and then what the master said. Long ago, a monk asked a master, when hundreds, thousands, or myriad of objects come all at once, what should be done? The master replied, don't try to control them. <laughs> and regarding this exchange, Dogen added this line, or these lines, don't try to control them, don't try to change them. Whatever comes is the Buddha Dharma, not objects at all. So not changing or trying to control them is letting them be. Well, or really just saying, you know, we, we can't actually control it, as Dogen says. So when we let things be, when we don't try to control it, we embrace the possibility that anything can happen. So that's not the same as being passive. It can kind of sound like being passive. Don't try to control them. Don't try to change them. Kind of can sound like passive. And I would say we can work for change while at the same time letting go of the outcome. So the letting go of the trying to control the outcome, and yet we can still face ourselves in a direction and intend a certain outcome, but letting go of control, which we can't have anyway. So when we know that we can't control or change the objects or the people or the ideas or the situations that are coming, at us when we really know that we can't control and we let go of that, then what we can do is decide what a response can be. And that response comes from a deep, settled place rather than just reactivity. So actually, then our response has more of a chance of actually being helpful. So there's another version of the same story uh, of the hundreds of thousands of objects, and it goes like this. Yang Shan asked Quishan, when hundreds and thousands of objects come upon us all at once, then what? The master replied, green is not yellow, long is not short, everything is in its place. It's none of my business. <laughs> so uh, this is the kind of uh, story or koan that uh, when I first was practicing Buddhism, it just really pissed the hell out of me. Because <laughs> it seemed so like it's on purpose, like being vague and you know, and confounding and what is what is going on. So so now I know I can just for the context and for understanding something of it, I can just Google it and see, you know, like what these things could actually be referring to. Because it's none of my business kind of also sounds like not only passive, but like I'm going to turn away from it. And that doesn't seem like what I know about practice. So I was interested in that. And um, some of the things I learned is that it's none of my business is like saying I can't change what comes. So the none of my business isn't like turning away. It's just saying it's none of my business trying to get in there and like manipulate and control the outcome, which I can't control. That's the part that's none of my business. But what I really like about this version is that it encourages us to see the particulars of the things that are coming at us. So right away he says, green is not yellow, long is not short. 
like let's pay attention. Let's really pay attention to what's happening here. So there is the wide view of whatever comes as the Buddha Dharma, not objects at all. In the first story, that's pretty nice, realizing this vast wide interconnection. Um, seeing that this thing that's coming at me is empty of inherent nature, empty of a separate nature. It's not something that I need to fight. And yet, if something is green, I should see it as green and not yellow. Not try to make it yellow. And also in my response, like if what's happening, I pay attention to what's happening. Like if the winds are coming at me at 200 miles an hour in a hurricane, okay, it's best that I board up my windows in that, in that scenario. Or if the floods are coming, it's best I go to higher ground. So I really am paying attention to what's happening. Not like, oh, winds, flood, okay, yeah, it's all just fine. Just walking along. Yeah, and keep walking along while hammering nails into the boards when you're throwing up your windows. And that also applies to like, if someone causes me harm or causes harm to the community. I, it's best I understand what happens in order to take care of myself and protect others. So that's sort of an overview of how we respond to difficulties, but maybe we need a little more, like, okay, well, how do I get into the not trying to control it? How do I practice like that? How, do, how can I practice like that so that I can respond from the spacious place? Um, so this is where there's a, there's a few different teachings that can help us. And one is the teaching on the three Dharma seals. Basically, three Dharma seals is just saying, these are things that um, we, is important enough in our practice that like they need to be there for the, us to know that the teaching is a true um, Buddhist practice. And the three Dharma seals are impermanence, non-self, and nirvana. Just say a little bit about each of those. Um, so impermanence, we ground ourselves in that, we know that these difficulties will not last. I will not last in the way I am now. So that kind of give, gives me hope, especially when I'm in the difficulties. I can remember, as it is in this moment, will be different in the next moment, and the next moment, and you know, a thousand moments down the road, because it's totally different. So I know that there is impermanence. This can help me a lot. And if I don't know it, I can start to I can start to observe. For myself, like, is it true? Is impermanence true? What do I see happening? And then there's the non-self, and that also is is can be helpful. So it's not that I disappear, um, but the teaching on non-self is that I'm not separate from all beings and all things. So that's the true grounding. So we can say non-self, but we can also say interdependence or interconnection. Or as Thich Nhat Hanh says, no separate self-entity. 
there is a self entity, but it's not, but it's so interconnected with all things. So then that's a support for me in the difficulties. I know I'm not alone. And then there's nirvana, which I'll just say, um, nirvana, um, beyond concepts, beyond ideas. Uh, for me, it's like, it actually, even though sometimes nirvana is thought of as like, just everything washed away, but it's like, what, but then what is here? It brings me back to my body. And that I can just be. I don't have to like be doing something. I don't have to be figuring something out. Here it is. So these three Dharma seals um, can be really helpful, but then also sometimes when the hundreds, thousands of myriad objects come all at once, um, or like I said, one great big giant object comes that's really huge and difficult, we might need an even more explicit practice then. And this is where I've used the practice of RAIN, and I learned this from uh, Tara Brock's book, um, Radical Compassion. And I also um, was very interested to see how that practice, when I read about the five anchors in Resma Menicum's My Grandmother's Hands, I saw a connection between the RAIN practice and the five anchors. Um, so the RAIN practice is, RAIN is recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture. And I'll say a little more about what those are. And then sometimes with RAIN practice, you actually start with nurture and then do recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture. Or sometimes, the, that step is called, the last step is called non-self, which is like letting go into vastness. But um, that's okay. But for me, it's also, they're, they're, a nurture piece is good <laughs> at the end as a human being. Um, so then with those five steps of starting with nurture and going to recognize, allow, investigate, nurture, then it lines up with the five anchors. So the nurture... Um, is to settle my body, to soothe and settle my body so that I can actually be present with the difficulties. So I, rather than just starting with, recognize, starting with something that's going to support me. Um, and it could even be, the nurture part could be remembering the three Dharma seals, impermanence, non-self, and nirvana. That could be, a, or some other teaching that's helpful to you, or just the, like we did at the very beginning of the meditation of just like feeling the solidity of your body, feeling the contact points of your body against the cushions, floor, chair, um, feeling the relaxation that's present in your body. So this is the first step. Um, and then, then start to recognize recognize that there is a difficulty and noticing so it might be recognized you might have a word like anger fear um, 
something comes up or you might not have a word but just know but you've settled your body but then you like oh but there's something here oh there's a sharp hurt feeling in my heart or there's a queasy feeling in my stomach or there's a tingling feeling in my limbs so noticing recognizing something's happening and then allowing so a lot of times we recognize and then right away we don't want to feel it so we say what can i do to solve it <laughs> so we kind of jump ahead and the allowing is can i like in this moment and this is an impermanent moment but in this moment there's discomfort so can i allow it and i always ask it as a question to myself because i don't want to force myself to do it that would not be that would be like violence against myself so i say can i allow this and if I say no, then I say, okay, then right now I'm going to do something that's so-called distract myself. But that is so that then I could be present for the long term. So it's really being very kind, very compassionate, and very in touch with what you need and how you can practice in that moment. Also with allow, sometimes what I do is um, uh, I ask myself, can I be such a person? Like such a person that's feeling anger, such a person that's feeling sadness or grief, such a person that's um, feeling fear. And then if the answer is yes, <laughs> and I can be with it a little bit, I'm accepting, then the next is investigate. So seeing what's happening then, staying present, so continuing to come back to my body, seeing what happens in my body and what is the unfolding experience looking like how are the sensations changing how do they seem to stay the same um, does this remind me of anything maybe it's something i've experienced in the past so i often have in meditation a very um, uh, hurt feeling in my heart very deep grief it seems like you know it's beyond me and um, I used to just think, well, if I was really a good practitioner, I would find a way to dissolve that and it would go away forever and I would live happily ever after. <laughs> and you know what? I am living happily ever after by taking care of that tender, hurt place that, all, that often arises, often arises. And now I see it as this is a connection to all the hurt in the world. So I don't want to throw it away. So that's one thing I discovered in investigating. But it doesn't have, it's not like a mental thing. It's more like just really deeply feeling and deeply perceiving what's happening. And if I do investigate, then I'm actually able to start to re respond, either I'm thinking about what I'll do, or if I'm using this practice like in the moment of like an interaction with someone, I might be able to respond and say something that's helpful. So once the investigation is come to a sometimes conclusion or seems like it's finished for that moment, uh, then the last thing is to go back to nurture the um, what do I need now, now that I've sort of uncovered this difficulty and opened myself up and it's a little bit raw and feels a little um, not it's kind of not settled i keep trying to settle myself in my body but i've opened this up and it's a little bit feels wholesome i've touched something important but now i need to like kind of protect and help myself to be able to keep going forward so what needs to happen 
So asking yourself, what do I need right now? And again, noticing your body, what I'm feeling. And, um, and in this step, with the five anchors, or the fifth anchor with Rosemary Menica, uh, he says it's about safely discharge any energy that remains. So letting go. And he says, shake it off. So actually, physically, do I need to get up and walk? Do I need to actually, like, shake my limbs? Do I need to dance? Do I need to do, do I need to, like, laugh? <laughs> Something. <laughs> so I can just, okay, express. And, you know, that might not be what I do. Like, if I'm in interaction with a person, I might not, depending on the person, I might not be, laugh. <laughs> I might be just going off and then on my own. But, um, but that's, you know, also free. And then we're not stuck in thinking like a Zen person is free. <laughs> oh, a Zen person is free. So that's how we can stay with it. And I've just, I've really loved using this, um, this practice. And to me, it really is connected with our, our core practice, we say in Soto Zen Buddhism, is the practice of Shikantaza, which is just formless, Meditation, open, vivid sitting, you know, the instructions from Dogen are basically, there's a lot about body posture, how you should, you know, the different ways you're holding your hands, how you're crossing your legs, you know, all of that. Um, your ears in line with your shoulder, your nose with your navel, you know, how you're sitting upright. Um, and then it's basically, and let go of all thoughts. <laughs> so there's not a lot of instruction uh, around the mind. It's just like, be present with whatever's arising. And so that's really great. And sometimes uh, practicing that way can lead us to shutting down our feelings instead of receiving them. Because then we think, well, I'm supposed to let go of all thoughts. But this thought of like anger at this person or fear about the situation keeps coming up and coming up. So then it becomes not letting go, it becomes actively pushing it away. I don't want that. That's not what a good Zen meditator would be doing. So so then then it becomes violence and then it's not actually being open to what's arising. So to me, uh, this RAIN practice is a way to um, help guard against that. So like I can sit with the intention of just letting go, letting go, letting go, but then if something keeps coming, 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 it's like, okay, I need to pay attention to it. That's my, that's the instruction right now, because that's what's happening in this moment. So how can I be with it without shutting down? I found this to be really, really helpful. So I would like to, to stop talking so much now and just open it up to questions and comments. Yes, and the fan is on, so you have to kind of speak up so Zoomers can hear you. I'm just curious uh, in encountering the story of the master's response, long is not short, yellow is not green. Mm -hmm. What did you decide to Google? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, when I Googled, I just Googled when hundreds, thousands of objects come all at once. Really? Yeah, in, in quotes. And then I found, you know, other Dharma talks on, on this fascicle, only a Buddha and a Buddha, and I found someone else who said, oh, there's this other teaching, and the other one is from the Iron Flute, one of the koan collections. So... So yeah, that's always a good way is just, you know, like if you Google just a long string of things in quotes, you know, and then maybe throw in Dogen and something something else, you know, that's related to it, you know, often you can find there's just a treasure trove of things that are available. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes. Um, this is more, more of an appreciation than a question, but... Um, I really, the last part of what you were saying um, with rain uh, and, you know, allowing, allowing the message to come up that's coming up and, and the request for care that might be part of that message. I, I was just thinking about how for the first year, like a full year that I was in a residence, in a residential monastery, so sitting so many hours every day in meditation, it was just it was like my brain was off gassing and my heart was like there was there was like this amazing and horrible um constant movie playing mm -hmm. and i felt so bad like i am doing this badly i'm really bad at meditating but uh but you know i had gone there because i was in experiencing difficulty facing difficulty and so um eventually just by letting it be um it settled you know, I gave it attention, but I think that if I had had that instruction sooner, you know, to just like allow, allow what's arising to arise and to, um, and to care for what's coming up, I think it would have really helped me to, to just like care for that experience sooner. So thank you for sharing that. Well, I had similar experience in my beginning meditation. So I think, you know, I think without more instruction, it's so easy for people to mistake the letting go for turning away so, yeah. and and the non-self meaning I shouldn't care about myself which that's not really the practice we have Ken online okay hi Ken oh we're asked oh. to unmute so you're muted Ken we're hoping you can unmute Oh. oh, oh, good. We can hear you. Oh. Hi, Ken. Hi. Oh. <laughs> I want to uh, say it's really nice when we you pan around a bit so we could see, have some feeling of who's who's present in this conversation. Yeah, we could pan around a little bit more, <laughs> even not wait for people to speak. Could we do that? Yeah. Anyway, it's great to see you, Ken. Oh, and it's nice you can. to be here in this way. I appreciate it. Thank you for the talk. For those who don't know, Ken Ford is a senior teacher emeritus uh, at Clouds and Water. And then we have a couple of comments uh, online. We have, um, let's see, 
Uh, Magda said, I find meta meditation helpful in difficult times. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And then Rain asked what rain is. And Tyson told Rain what rain is. <laughs> and then, um, then we have uh, Nancy saying, cyclones are now part of what gets my heart very heavy since my beloved country is also experiencing floods and inundations as well mm-hmm. as the earth starting to shake. Years ago, we had a prophecy from Santa Rosa de Lima warning us of the above protest of Mother Nature. The ships will port in the Plaza de Armas, main plaza in Lima, which talks to us of a pending tsunami. Thank you, Sosan. This morning's talk will bring brings relief to my soul. Can you say who that was from? Nancy. Well, I need to add, am I interrupting somebody? No, no, no go ahead, Ken. I just need to add the expression of appreciation for all of you who make it possible for us far-flung people to participate. It's really, really helpful and really <clears throat> uh, makes a difference to feel the community, the Sangha together. So thank you all who contribute to that. You're welcome. Yes, Kim. Could you say more about um, giving yourself permission to say no to feel something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll just use an example from my life. Um, I was having a lot of difficulties. This was about uh, 19 years ago. And um, I was on my way to a therapy appointment and this feeling that I, you know, mentioned about the pain in my heart came up like really strong. I could really feel like this in, intense, it was like not just the heart, it was like my whole body, like just, and then I had the idea, like if I could just be with this, really be with it. I'd like break through and be completely liberated. <laughs> I could just stay with it. It's like, I can't. And so I turned on the radio to an oldie station and had some music that helped me feel and then feel happy. But then there was a part of me that felt so disappointed. Like you really blew it. You had the chance to do this and you really blew it. And but looking back, it's like, no, I did not blow it. That was what I needed in that moment. It was too much. I needed some relief so that later, like years later, actually, and through the process of therapy and many other supports, I could actually be with it. But if I had, it was probably lucky I was driving because I was driving, I couldn't. (laughs) If I was just sitting there, maybe I would have like done violence against myself to try to be with it. Um, and who knows what, what, you know what that how that would have manifested? I might have had a mental breakdown. Um, but uh, but yeah, to to really see that in that moment that what I needed was to be nurtured. So now I'm just really gentle with myself when something comes up. I really ask it as a question, and if the answer is no, I don't get so disappointed in myself. Yeah, I know. I'll come back to this later. 
because you know it's my life so it doesn't have to happen in this moment or in a certain way that i think it's supposed to happen i actually don't know so that's also letting go of control i'm not trying to control this thing is happening i'm thinking control is like really receive it and it's like and part of that really receiving it is receiving what is my capacity in this moment and how do i build capacity for the future it's not by beating myself up and forcing myself to do something I'm not ready for. It's actually paying very close attention to what it's needed. So, is that helpful? It, it is. It's also sitting um, into another question. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, how, if, it, if, it's, like if you don't have the capacity to notice that you need capacity, mm. how do you, how do you, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, that's where you can practice uh, loving kindness. So okay. someone mentioned about loving kindness, which is a little—it's a related practice, meant to practice. Um, but uh, if you have a sense, like maybe I don't know when I don't have the capacity, maybe I will do violence against myself. So then you can do a practice of let me really be in touch with what I appreciate about myself. Let me really be in touch with the ways in which I am lovable. And let me maybe imagine someone, if I, if I think I'm not lovable, let me imagine someone who um, I really respect and who cares about me, and imagining them saying to me things like, may you be safe, may you be happy, may you have uh, physical happiness, may you uh, have ease, and to be able to take that in. So practicing with that for a while. Uh, yes, okay, so Tom and then Ruby. So I was just going to say that it just. Um, Can you speak up loudly because yeah, it fans on? I was going to say you're freezing up so much. We talk about uh, showing compassion to ourselves, giving ourselves permission, giving ourselves space. I really started with like all the ways that you say, but through violence. Said about like I wouldn't do this to someone else, so I find that to be really really helpful. To me. Like how would I treat someone else if they were experiencing this? Can uh, I treat myself like that? Okay. So sometimes difficulty with what we're Recognizing that you can't control the outcome no matter what. 
So if you approach it in that way, um, then the way that you're doing it has a little more, um, it's, there's not the brittle sense of it. Um, it's like, I'm just doing my best and I'm not sure that this will actually change anything, but, but it's important that I, that I do something. And then you're doing it from a heart place, from you know, really a, a deep uh, sense of love. And, and then that brittleness isn't there. But I think part of it is just that you need to practice like it over and over. I mean, there isn't like a magic thing. So like at first, you know, when you're boarding up the windows, you might notice that there's frantic, like I gotta get this done before the winds come. And you notice that that's happening. And sometimes you have to go fast. And if you're going fast, it's harder to have that open space, but it is possible. So it might just be continuing to remind yourself I can't control this. Susan, I think Hugu had a. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just was thinking of Kim's excellent question <laughs> because often we don't have the capacity for things, and then not realizing it too. And I've had that experience many times in my life, and I. I'm going to put a plug in for you and other teachers here. That that is an excellent resource to come to teachers in um, wherever you feel comfortable and trust people. That you know people that have already walked some distance down the path are very helpful, or even other sangha members yes. to bounce off. Like yeah. this is happening, and it, you know, just what do you think about it? Yeah, so. that's great. Thank you for that, and this just points to why. We do why we come together and do this is to support each other. I think we're out of time. So yeah. thank you very yeah. much. Thank you so much, Sosan. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.